tap into your most original thinking, organize your ideas, and create the opportunities to launch your creative work. Unlocking your world of creativity with best-selling author and brand innovator, Mark Stinson. Welcome back, friends, to our podcast, Unlocking Your World of Creativity. And there's so much excitement today in healthcare. New developments, new medications, new vaccine, some controversial, but so much excitement. And there's another category that not everybody knows about right now, and that's digital health. And a lot of both solutions and record keeping and even some diagnostic apps that are being developed. And we're going to talk a little bit about the creativity and the pursuits in that area today, along with some other creative pursuits. But I can't wait to introduce you to my guest today, Shafali Shah. Well, thank you, Mark. This is very exciting indeed. And Shefali has a long history and background in the life sciences and in the pharma industry. Currently, she's a VP of commercial operations at Huma, which is a digital health company. Tell us a little bit about what's going on over there uh, for you these days, Shefali. Yeah, thanks, Mark. It's really an exciting space to be in, as you said. So Huma is a digital health tech company. And I like to say that we have really two parts to our company. One is the technology platform, but it's also very much backed up by the science and the research to continuously develop new methods so that we can really empower humans to live their full lives. As as you know, this is a very regulated space and we are dealing with people's lives. So we need to be thorough in the science and at the same time, make it easier and more accessible to people so that they can make decisions on their own and make the make informed decisions to live those better lives. And clearly, a lot of this is our lifestyle habits, but there's a lot of data as well that needs to be collected and stored and analyzed. Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't help but love this phrase on your website that we're a hospital at home technology collecting some of this data. What's working under the hood to yeah. make this happen? Yeah, sure. That's exactly the concept. As you know, during COVID, our hospitals were really reaching the the edge of their capacity. And how do you create more capacity? And that is really by taking some of these digital biomarkers and having patients stay at home in the comfort of their own homes, but they're being monitored remotely their blood pressure is being measured, their heart rate, their oxygen saturation, all of these metrics were being measured remotely. And then you had the doctors who could look at the data real time and then decide for themselves, which patient can continue to stay at home and which patient really needs to come into the hospital. Mm-hmm. And you know, by extending the time of the patient at home, we first of all, we're providing those hospital services at home, but at the same time, we were really extending that capacity for for the doctors to really take care of more patients at the same time. Yes. Well, and this would not be without its challenges, of course. I mean, yeah, there's yeah. A, the technology challenge, of course, but clinicians, uh, how well are they embracing it? And patients, how well yeah. are they accepting this yes. kind of remote monitoring? Yeah, so you, you, you're absolutely right. There is the the pre-COVID world where it was a slow adoption. When COVID hit, it was very difficult to keep up. And at least in the UK and Germany, 
the company was able to deploy this technology within days mm. to hundreds of hospitals. And when you have all of those hospitals in a country being on the same platform, the adoption was very fast. We literally doubled the capacity of the hospital wards. We reduced readmissions by a third. And most importantly, we had very good outcomes. And you know, physicians were getting these outcomes and results very, very quickly. You know, the adoption was there because they were seeing results in real time. You know, going forward, we see something similar in that there are certainly categories where the ratio between the number of patients and the physicians and the healthcare workers is very skewed. And so whenever there are capacity constraints or wherever patients need to be monitored more frequently for better outcomes or lowering costs, there is that acceptability. And I believe physicians and patients and the FDA now is also, uh, they're all recognizing that there is value in this. Mm -hmm. Well, I couldn't help but sort of perk up when I heard part of the UK acceptance was everybody was on a similar platform. And so yeah. they were able to talk to each other. Uh, you can't say that's the same in all US hospitals. Yes. <laughs> you, can, you can barely have the uh, one iPad talking to the other iPad, let alone <laughs> everybody on the same platform. Yeah. And as you know, uh, our healthcare system is very fragmented. Not only that, our electronic health records are also very much customized to different sites. And so it's not very easy to connect everything uh, in, in the United States. And that's why we, we recognize that we needed the expertise in the market and we needed the expertise in, um, you know, figuring out where in the value chain we're going to fit and how we're going to deploy this very, this amazing solution for patients in the US. It may not look exactly the same as it does in, in Europe, but we are certainly, you know, looking at different avenues. So for example, we are working with life science companies to monitor patients who might be on treatments that require a REMS program. You know, so we, we are starting in different ways, but I think ultimately the power will be in connecting more and more of these dots together uh, to form as much of a picture as possible. Yeah, well, and certainly thinking about patient access. I mean, the, the, some of the scenarios you've been describing, but I, yeah. I'm also out here in uh, Idaho. There's a hospital where you live on every corner. Yeah. In, in my part of the world, they can be few and far between. And yeah. so having patients have access to providers, it seems like this kind of telehealth, uh, this kind of telemedicine could yeah. be a real benefit in uh, rural areas. Absolutely. Absolutely. Not in rural areas, urban areas. I mean, I think that there is, you know, even in urban areas where you have such disparities of care in this country, can we leverage this app or this platform to, to bring about some of that equity um, because now we have ways of collecting not just the telemedicine, but collecting the actual data over time. And that sh should help patient, physicians make better decisions as opposed to relying on just, Mark, how do you feel today? <laughs> uh, and you have forgotten the 
the six months of history between your appointments on how you really feel. And you, you, you give what is just on top of mind and not really what is really happening over that long period of time. So this allows us to you know, help physicians, help patients uh, make better decisions and have better outcomes and reduce cost and reduce the distance between people. So this is why it's so exciting. Well, Shafali, this is also a creativity podcast and many yeah. people don't appreciate the kind of creativity that goes into this kind of programming and uh, app development and digital health deployment. But give yeah. us a behind the scenes look. Uh, take us yeah. inside maybe the conference room, the company, the Zoom calls that you're on. You know, yeah. What sort of creative process are you guys going through and really coming up with the new ideas, you know, technical ideas, but also the marketing and uh, yeah. commercialization ideas? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I would put them in three different buckets, really. There is the technology, the research, and also the marketing and commercialization. In terms of the, the product itself, I mean, within that, there's two different components. One is, are we meeting the healthcare standards? We don't want to be a wellness-grade platform. We want to be a medical-grade platform. And what that means is that we want to make sure that we comply with the FDA regulations, the data privacy regulations, um, HIPAA, all of those need to be uh, very much robust. And, uh, and that includes security permissions. We can't have uh, patient data leak out. So we need to have many different permission levels within the app. So it's, it's actually pretty complex in that sense. But on the flip side, when you look at it from the patient perspective, the patient should have a clean, user-friendly front end that is intuitive and that is design-based. And our founder, he is he's absolutely obsessed with that user-centric design. You know, you have this juxtaposition of this very, very complex backend, but very simple and clean front end. So that's on the product end. And we are constantly working with our product teams to customize that to fit the needs of the local markets. Because, you know, let's face it, how we receive healthcare in the US and how we experience healthcare in the US is very different than what patients experience in, in Europe. You know, for us, some of the issues are around affordability and access and quality of care and that, that fragmentation. So those, some of those issues are different. So that's on the product side and that's the creative process there. On the research side, again, there's so much to solve for. How are we going to pick the areas that make the most sense where the patients are going to have the, met, the biggest bang for their buck? Right. And um, you know, right now, Huma has over 60 or 70 digital biomarker modules, and we're constantly developing more. But there's always this, you know, there's always a tussle between <laughs> the teams on what's really going to have the biggest impact. Uh, and I think so that listeners, if you think your company is the only one having uh, cross the hallway <laughs> conflict, <laughs> uh, it's happening everywhere. It does. It does. But I think it's very healthy. And we definitely uh, have a culture where we can really uh, duke it out. 
because it's, uh, it's important to do so. Um, and then finally on the commercialization side, um, the creative process there, at least for me, it's really been shaped by my experiences early in my adulthood. You know, I came to the U.S. from India. I grew up in India and I came here as an undergrad in college. And at that time when I came to the U.S., well, I was the only person from India directly in the undergraduate class. And I was one of two women in the engineering class. I really had to learn to integrate myself, but I also realized that it is very important for me to listen to people. And so my commercial strategy is really shaped by that feeling of being the odd one out and how can I bring everyone into the mix and listen to the ideas from different perspectives. Um, so it's this yin and yang of like that engineering, technical, problem solving curiosity. And on the other hand, just making sure that I'm really taking the person into consideration. And am I listening to the best ideas from different people? Mm -hmm. uh, so those are the two. I, I consider myself a connector of ideas. Um, probably not the best coming up with a brand new idea, but when I listen to three different ideas, they seem very disconnected, but I'm able to pull them together. Yeah, that's a whole a different way. kind of strength. It's very valuable. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I wanted to pick up something that you said about uh, coming to the U.S. from India, but I also read another interview that you had that talked about even the sort of in your childhood or, you know, in your development, mm -hmm. this drive for academic success, but yeah. which comes with the drive to being right, you know, <laughs> and in the, in the real world, I'll call it, it's hard to be right all the time, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, you, you want to allow other people to be right <laughs> and okay to be wrong yourself. And in some ways, if I found that I, you know, and it, it was it was a hard transition. You, thanks for reading my article. But to be growing up in a very, very ambitious family where we have Nobel Prize winners and, uh, you know, big, um, you know, startup companies and entrepreneurs. And then to, you know, find a place within the family itself to to, you know, to be assertive. I think it was. It was a difficult transition to go from that to being very humbled when I came to the U.S. and being so different and not being heard very much. So I really had to take, take all of those experiences and shape them to where I am right now. Mm -hmm. And you've yeah. really highlighted this idea of listening. You know, and other people can, might call it emotional intelligence. Some people might call it empathy, you know, but a real customer connection, but also a, sounds like a person to person. Like listening to the person, whether they're across the table or across the screen, but or or your customer, you know, yeah. that you're sort of putting yourself in their position. Right, absolutely. And sometimes, you know, I, I consider everyone I talk to could be a customer, could be a friend. It doesn't matter. It's just how are you really listening to that person and giving them the time of day to tell their ideas, right? Mm -hmm. So as I said, my power is in connecting three very different random ideas 
for example, the other day we were talking about cognitive health and mental health, brain health um, at, at, a, at a pharma company. And I really drew upon my experiences from meditation and yoga. And, and it, it, it really fit. But I think it's having those diverse experiences that connect things and that make things go forward. Mm -hmm. So, And you've really uh, highlighted, too, this idea of collaboration. And let's go beyond the walls of your company and talk about mm -hmm. your collaborators, you know, of development, of deployment, again, commercialization. But, you know, this podcast, we also talk about making connections to launch the work. What, what sort of connections and collaborations have you found and what else are you looking for? Yes, that's absolutely right. So as you said, you know, we're not going to be able to solve everything. We need to be collaborating with different companies. So our strength is that we have this patient platform that can also be leveraged and we have the platform that can be used by physicians. When it comes to integration with electronic health records, we, are, we have a partnership. We have a partnership with a company called Pluto and they have figured out a way of accessing patient health records based on some of the new laws that allow patients to access their health records. And, you know, as soon as they give consent, they are able to pull the data in. So instead of going into every health system and connecting individually, we're working with a collaborator. So we are certainly looking for partnerships within the healthcare continuum. We are even working with startups that are delivering medications directly to patients because they also need a patient platform. So we have all of these different collaborations that we are exploring, but our primary focus is still on reaching patients through the life science companies um, because they have such a high need for reaching patients, they're developing these medications that require a lot of monitoring uh, as they go into more and more complex diseases like autoimmune diseases and oncology that require more mo monitoring. So we want to partner primarily with the, I would say they would be our customers, but in order to support the life science companies, they need to make sure that we have the infrastructure built to support them in the right way. And so that is the collaboration and partnership we're seeking. We're open to a lot of ideas. We're, we're just, you know, small but mighty team in the US, but we are supported by a very large and uh, seasoned team in, in the UK. You know, they have been extremely supportive of, of all the endeavors and the crazy ideas we come come up with in the U.S. Exactly. That, that's what we love, the crazy ideas. The crazy ideas. That's a, well, the wild we, we need the other crazy ideas and crazy people to join us, don't we? Well, <laughs> on that note, Shafali, I think people are going to want to be able to connect with you and follow your yeah. work and learn more about what you guys are doing. How can we uh, connect with you? Oh, absolutely. So I am always on LinkedIn. Uh, for now, I think this is that's the best way to reach me. I have connected with a lot of people that way, and I think it's a wonderful platform. I'm all yeah. for it. <laughs> Sounds great. Well, we'll do that.
So before we close, I wanted to pick up on a note that you had about, you know, one of the ideas and how it connected with your yoga and maybe meditation practice. But I wanted to learn more about your creative inspirations for you personally. You know, what really kind of sparks and generates new ideas for you, like yoga and meditation, or maybe there's music or art or theater. What what else do you enjoy that gives you creative sparks? Uh, Yes, thank you for asking. So for me, it's definitely the yoga and meditation. And just like I do in my career, where I draw from the yin and the yang, I have studied yoga and meditation through a lot of scientists and physical therapists, doctors. And so I have a very scientific base for that. But when I deliver it to my students, It is with a lot of um, infusion of my dance and music. And so when the students experience this, they are experiencing not just a yoga class, but they're getting educated on um, the anatomy, physiology, and also this creative flow that is different each time they come to my class. And I just love to see the sparks in my students when they go, wow, this is, you know, this is a complete mind body experience because we are whole. We are not, we're not just biceps or triceps. We (laughs) are (laughs) every part of our brain and we are every part of our body. And how do you connect everything? So that to me is you know, just the way I take three different ideas from different people in my work, I do the same thing. And it takes a lot of effort to create every single class. But uh, I really enjoy that process of creating a class and giving that experience to my students. I couldn't help but notice the the kind of bright eyes that you have when you (laughs) describe that. Are you able to bring that kind of mind, body, spirit, thought process into the workplace, into your career development, into the work that Yuma is doing? Absolutely. I think that, you know, as I said, my life science work, my technical work, uh, and and when I when I see Huma, it is so much, it can it can really take life sciences and healthcare into more of a human empowerment. And to me, that is absolutely exciting. And so there are so many ways and paths by which we can get there. And ultimately, it is about the patients having this fantastic experience with healthcare. It shouldn't be a burden, it should be something you're really empowered to, uh, to, to be a part of your own journey, right? So that word. (laughs) I think that kind of encouragement has empowered us and listeners. I'm sure that you feel that too. Well, Shafali Shah has been my guest. Shafali, I can't thank you enough for being on our show. Thank you. Thank you so much, Mark. And as I said, bringing that, not only the knowledge, but that enthusiasm to the program. I really appreciate it. Thank you. And listeners come back again next time. We'll plug our microphone in in places all over the world to talk to creative practitioners like Shafali and how they get inspired with new ideas, how they organize those ideas, and most of all, of course, how they gain the confidence and make the connections to get the work out into the marketplace and into the world. And that's what our show is all about. So until next time, I'm Mark Stenson, and we're unlocking your world of creativity. We'll see you soon. 
Unlocking Your World of Creativity with best-selling author and brand innovator, Mark Stinson. This program was produced by BSB Media, creators of IntelliQ Leadership Stories, Unlocking Your World of Creativity, and thepeaceroom.love. We've created a special offer just for listeners of the podcast. You can get the book, A World of Creativity, for a special price of $5.98 for paperback. And the Kindle version is only $0.99. Cents. Go to mark-stinson.com to take advantage of this special offer.